it's Advent season as we make it subtle around here. In case you're new here or visiting, we do things a little bit differently in the weeks leading up to uh, Christmas. And, and some of it's obvious, kind of like, you know, whatever this glorious thing is here, uh, this canopy. I was, I was looking at it, I'm like, okay, it's just about Christmas. That's what it's about. But I'm like, it's like the blood of Jesus washing us white as snow, white as snow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I was uh, very excited about whatever this is. Uh, fantastic. I want to give a shout out to, to Kelly and Laura uh, Fang and Katrina, uh, Chase and Hannah for all the work that they put into uh, decorating this place for this weekend and all that kind of stuff. Let's just, let's just hear it for, for them and for all the work. Pretty, pretty amazing. A lot of work. Very, very special. Thank you for, for doing this. And no, Callum, this is not your present underneath the Christmas tree. I was worried you were like, you're showing up. Christmas trees, drum set underneath. Awesome. No, that's not for you. Uh, it's for all of us through you. Thank you again for drumming. Anyways, uh, yeah, so it's a special season. A little bit, things are a little bit different. Um, one of these days, I'm hoping for hot chocolate. Has that started yet? Or it has started yet. Yes. Praise God, I love this season, uh, or things a little bit differently. We'd sing more Christmas carols. I mean, I was grinning. I was just grinning. Alan, thank you for, for leading us in, in that Christmas uh, carol more and more in the weeks ahead. Again, a reminder, in two weeks, we're having a choir leading us in, in Christmas music. A, a, amazing Sunday to invite people to come and, and hear Christmas songs, and we're going to talk about, about joy in those days. So that's coming up. We start things a little bit differently. Advent readings, candles, you know, fire. It's exciting. Uh, and, and also the messages are shorter than normal, which is a little bit of a, a downer in, in light of this season. But, but we, we get through it and, and we're going to have a good time. Advent is a season where we, we basically, through the whole month of December, we are in a season of anticipation. We're in a season of celebration. We're in a season of introspection where we look at our lives, we look at our lives and we reassess how we're doing and how we're doing in the lead up to the reminder of the birth of Jesus, the Savior, hope of the world. And as we, as we look inside, we're assessing through this season how we're doing in four key areas. We're going to study each of these over the next couple of weeks, the same four areas that we look at every Advent season. The first area is hope. So the first week we reassess, how are we doing in the area of hope? The second area is peace. How are we doing with peace? Third area is joy. And then the fourth area is love. And how are we doing on, on the inside? And so as we go through these weeks, it's like, okay, how am I doing? Am I full of hope? Is my heart full of hope and anticipation in the days ahead? Is my life full of hope? Peace. Am, am, I, am I full of peace? Am I full of peace or is anxiousness and worried and fears dominating my heart? How am I doing in the area of joy? Am I full of joy or am I discouraged? Am I depressed? And then fourthly, am I full of love? Do I have the love of God uh, flowing into my heart and through me into, into the people? Am I, am I overflowing with love towards God and, and towards people or not, or not so much? It's a season of, of just reflecting as we anticipate the birth of Jesus and, and, and as, we, as we look forward to seeing uh, and celebrating that on, on Christmas morning. So we're looking inside. The theme for this year that we're, we're working here and in Belfast, our church in Belfast, is this idea of seeking. Seeking hope. Seeking peace. Seeking love. Nope, love. Seeking joy. 
seeking love. And, and, and we're looking for it because, you know, I know that there are some people, there, there are some people who maybe don't find themselves at this time of year overflowing with these things. Overflowing. And by some people, I mean most people. And by sometimes, I mean most of the time. Most of the time, people are struggling to live with hope, struggling to live with peace, struggling to live with joy, struggling to live with, with, with this overflowing love. And so for this evening, we want to reflect and see how we're doing, but we also want to uh, be pointing the way forward that these themes are things that God has for us and that we can grow in and be filled in as we turn our attention towards, towards Jesus, Jesus, the, the hope of the world, born, born uh, a little over 2,000 years ago. So we're going to talk about seeking these things, and today we're going to talk about seeking hope and seeking to grow in, in hope in our life. Uh, Ma- uh, Jesus, in the book of Matthew, he talks about prayer, he talks, and, and one of the things that he's talking about in prayer, he makes some comments in Matthew 7 during the Sermon on the Mount, and, and they're, they're about prayer, but they're also a little bit larger in relevance, and he says in Matthew 7, 7, he says, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep seeking, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. If you feel like you don't have a lot of hope, if you feel a little bit maybe choked by hopelessness, if you feel like there's not a lot of hope for your future in the days ahead, Jesus says these words about keep seeking. Keep seeking. Don't give up on seeking and and you will find. You'll find. You'll find it. I found hope this week in a rather unusual way. This this might be a, a first for me. I was pretty worn down. I was pretty worn down this week, last week, really for a long time. I've been worn down, and it was just getting to that point where, okay, I'm not sure. I think I kind of need to take a break for a bit. And I, and I, I got through last weekend, barely, uh, praise God, God was here moving. But I was at the point where I'm not sure I can teach the next, next weekend. I'm just, I'm just so uh, worn out, so low. And, um, and, and I'd been in the season of praying day and night, night and day for, for God's help, desperate man, I was just worn out and exhausted. And, and so I was praying, and I, I found myself seeking God's hope. Seeking God's hope. Seeking God's hope for, for hours each day, just in desperation. And then on Tuesday morning, about 3 in the morning, 3 a.m., I know that we have a lot of uh, new moms in this church, so they were up at that time. Uh, but a lot of us are usually sleeping at that time. At 3 a.m., God woke me up. Now, this is not a normal, normal thing for me. Uh, usually my bladder wakes me up. This time, <laughs> it was God. And, and God woke me up, and he said in that moment, again, this is an unusual thing. This isn't every day. He said, contact Peter Anderson and have him pray for you. Okay. So I'm like, I, I knew which Peter. I know a couple of Peter Andersons. Uh, I was like, okay, this is this one, this guy in, in Edinburgh. And okay, I haven't seen him for a while. For I'm, I'm gonna text him. So I texted him and and say, you know, hey, I could use some prayer. And I texted him. Well, later that day we connected. We connected on the phone. And and God had. He was like, Brian, I was just praying for you. And I, I think God has. I have I have some words from God for you. And he said these words 
which were word for word, exact same words, exact same word order, word for word, the kinds of things that I'd been believing God was saying to me, word for word. It was so shocking, I I couldn't help but be paying attention. It was just word for word. This guy I haven't spoken to for, for, for a while. And then he, and he went on and to, to encourage me and to speak about some things and uh, about what's going on. And it was about 15 minutes. And then, and then he prayed for me. I was, I was encouraged. I was encouraged. I was refilled. I was refilled with hope. I was at that point where I'm like, God, I just need to hear from you. I just need some, I need some help. I need some, I need some direction. And he kind of got to that point where I'm like, am I just making this up? I know that nobody else feels this way. But I'm like, God, I think I'm hearing from you, but nothing's happening. Am I just making this up? And it seems like nothing's happening. But God saw me in that confusion. He saw me in that discouragement. And he woke me up and he told me to to speak to this person. And then he encouraged me through that guy. And the thing is, when I say encourage, what I mean is he used that guy to fill my heart with hope again. With, With hope and yeah, the brightest of hope. And my, my discouragement levels went down. My, my hope levels went, went up. Nothing changed. Nothing changed on the outside in that quick phone call other than my hope was low. And then my hope was recharged as someone else spoke and, and confirmed God's words to me. And so I went on with the week. Here I am preaching, uh, encouraged. Uh, but with the main difference being only that powerful thing called hope. As you know, hope is extremely powerful for positively impacting your heart every day, for changing the way that you see things, for changing the way you, you're able to endure your current situations, your current challenges, your current, your current heartbreaks or disappointments. If you don't have hope going into this Christmas season, I urge you to go for it, and they do too. I urge you to go for it. I urge you to start seeking God in prayer, to lean in. It's God, fill me with hope. God of hope. That is one of his titles from, from uh, Romans chapter 15. God of hope, fill me with your hope as you go through this season. And you never know how God might answer that prayer. For me, this was a new week for me. You never know how he might answer your prayers. Hope isn't about happy days. It, it, it's about living expectant and encouraged through difficult days, through difficult days. Our Advent reading that uh, the Penmans uh, read for us, Jen uh, read for us, began with these words from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It was about words of hope. It said, the people walking in darkness, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light is dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Hope, words of hope. Living with hope is is the thing that we hold on to when when our lives are rough, when things aren't going well, when we feel stuck, when our prayers don't seem to be getting answered, breaking through, when everything seems to be falling apart, or at least not falling together as as we had hoped, when we find ourselves just continuing on and on and on and on with no changes. I think they're telling us to love the Lord our God with all our heart soul mind is is that what you're hearing i hope you're hearing it i hope you're hearing it out of the mouth of children praise god anyways the christmas story remember the christmas story begins in a season that feels like endless waiting 
It begins with endless, 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 endless wait. A, a, a time when it seems like God isn't doing anything and hasn't been doing anything for, for years, even, even centuries. Uh, where it's like God has said he was going to do something and we've been hoping and waiting and hoping and holding on and hoping and waiting and praying and praying and yet it hasn't happened. It hasn't been happening for, for years, centuries, even millennia. You know, I, I don't know how much you give this, this thought, but in Genesis chapter 3, we hear that there's going to be one being born. That there's going to be one born that's going to crush the head of the serpent. There, there's that Savior that's going to be coming into the world. A couple thousand years go by, and Abraham then is told that he's going to, it's going to be through his genetic line that the Savior is going to come. But then another millennia goes by, another thousand years go by, and then David is told it's going to be through his line, which is also the line of Abraham, that the Savior is going to be born. And then another thousand years go by. Like thousands and thousands of years of promise and waiting, but it not seeming to happen. Not only that, there's another promise that's connected to, the, to the, this promise of Jesus the Savior. And you see this in Malachi. Now, Malachi is the last book written in the, in the Old Testament. After the book of Malachi, we don't have any scripture written for about, well, over 430 years. Uh, but it's about 425 years until Jesus is born. So, and, and the book of Malachi, those last words that we, we hear from um, in Scripture, it, it ends with these words. It says in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Look, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Those were the last words written for over 400 years. You see, God had made this a promise of hope. God had made this promise of hope for the world that someday the Savior would be born. Someday the, the Savior would be born who would be victorious over, over sin and death would bring peace and, and favor and forgiveness and salvation. But the years were going to go by, lifetimes would go by lifetime after lifetime, generation after generation, millennia would go by and yet nothing seemed to happen. And I know that's how some of you feel these days. I know that's how some of you feel. For some of you, you've been stuck. You've been stuck. You've been wishing things were different. You, you've, been, you've been praying for things to change. And maybe after all this time, you're, you're just afraid it's not going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. You're afraid it's not going to happen. You're worried that nothing's ever going to happen because it hasn't yet, and you just don't see it coming. Remember, that's the context that we go into the Christmas season with. People seeing no change, even worse, things going really poorly for a while, season where everything is getting worse, uh, things, where things were just evil at different times, and yet those people continued and continued and continued seeking hope, seeking for God to do what he said he's going to do. According to Luke chapter 1, on a day just like every other day, an old priest named Zechariah went into, a into the temple to offer the normal prayers. Okay, let me just back up for a moment. At the time of the birth of Jesus, there is 24,000 priests, one temple. That's called overstaffing, okay? <laughs> 24,000. So what they did was 
is they divided into 24 groups. They took the book of Chronicles, they divided into 24 groups, and each of those groups were identified by their, their ancestor um, named in the book of Chronicles. So you got these 24 groups. This has been going on for hundreds of years, at least 400 years they're divided in this group. And so then each, each group of priests had a two-week two shift that they would work at the temple a year, just two weeks a year, two weeks a year. So that's that's not a real, I'm thinking that's not a bad, no. Uh, that, yeah, so they, they, they're very um, spread out in their time. They only work two weeks a year. The rest of the time they do their farming or, or whatever else their, their other occupation was. So they, they have that. And so each, each group would, would show up for two weeks. And, and during, during this time where Zechariah had his two weeks, we read this in Luke chapter 1. This is John. Why am I in John? Oh, I know why I'm in John. Backing up. Beep, beep. Reversing. Okay. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. We read this. It says, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division. That's one of the chronicle divisions. Abijah's division named Zechariah. He, his wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty, those two weeks a year, he was serving as priest before God. It happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Okay, just stopping just for a moment. We know when this is happening. We know what time of year this was. We know when these divisions took place. This is the end of May, beginning of June. Just, it's a lunar calendar, so it shifts around a little bit. But two weeks, end of May, uh, beginning of June, that's when Abijah's uh, division was on duty. We also saw that he was chosen by lot. So what takes place is they would show up, and every day a priest would go in, and do this. And so this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, basically. You have a thousand priests. One is chosen during those two weeks to, to bring the, the incense offering. Zachariah is chosen by lot to do this. And, and so he's got this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He goes in the temple just after the morning sacrifice. So we're, we're probably around 10 or so in the morning, as we would call it. 10 in the morning. And he approaches as close as any priest other than the high priest once a year can approach God. And there's, the, there's, the, there's the, the veil, the big curtain in the temple separating the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant is. And, and then there's this incense, uh, incense altar right in front of it. And Zechariah, just like the priest, every day, day after day after day for hundreds of years, with a few exceptions where the temple was closed or profaned or dedicated to Zeus or evil things like that, but for most of the time, for a lot of the time, they would, they would stand before this altar, especially in the decades leading up to Jesus, and they would bring this offering, this incense offering during this time. And the priest would pray a prayer every day, the same prayer at the same time, every day. If you imagine the priest kind of going in and kind of freestyling and just praying whatever they want to pray, no. There, there was a prescriptive prayer, and they would pray it. We know what that prayer was. We know what it says. It's written down, preserved through the ages. And so we know that during that prayer, Zechariah prays these exact words. He says in his prayer as he stands before the temple, 
referring to Malachi, the, the, the last words that he heard from God. He prays, send us the one who will prepare in the desert the coming of the Lord's Messiah. That's part of his prayer. And then, boom, an angel shows up and says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. In fact, let me read it. It, it, it goes on and it says this. So, so, he's, so at the hour of incense, the whole assembly and people are praying outside. Verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing right Sending to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Okay, friends, they have been seeking and seeking and seeking and seeking the answers to these promises of God for centuries. Praying the same prayer every day, as close as you can to God in His temple. Praying and seeking and seeking every day for God to send the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. Every day for hundreds of years. And then one day, in an unanticipatable moment, the angel shows up and says, Your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. You will have a son. I love this about God. I love this about God. To me, this this story just yells out this. There's hope. There's hope for every everyone's situation. That God can step in and you can't, you don't have to see it coming. He can just step in and intervene. This idea of being praying over and over and over again for God's help and direction and guidance as as urgently as you can, as close to God as you can. This idea of seeking and seeking and seeking God's help. And maybe you find yourself disappointed that, that it hasn't happened yet, that, that help hasn't come yet. Or maybe through the years you've kind of given up a little bit on the area of hope because you just don't see anything on the horizon. And you're worried that God's not going to help you because you, can't, you just don't see him at work based on what you see looking ahead. Rescue doesn't seem on the way. And I just want to remind you, God can step in. That's his story. That's the kind of thing he does. He intervenes, and he can intervene in a single, unforeseeable moment. That's part of what kicks uh, into gear the whole Advent season. Your prayer has been heard. Have you read Psalm 42 recently? Psalm 42, it's 11 verses, and they're written by someone who understands what it's like to live in darkness, to live in disappointment to live in depression and discouragement, and yet still try and hold on to hope. Let me just remind, let me just read this psalm real quick and and remember, uh, people before us know very well what it's like to live in disappointing days. And they also have pointed us the way to cling to hope. This is how Psalm 42 reads. It says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God, And then he says, when can I come and appear before God? This person just is in a sense of, I feel far away. Like, I'm not close to you. Then he says, my tears have been my food day and night. Okay, day and night, night and day. Crying, weeping in light of his situation. That's the context. While all day long people say to me, where is your God? 
This psalmist, they feel that God isn't doing anything. He's in pain. They're in, crying day and night, night and day. This idea of crying and weeping and, and in pain. And the people are like, where is your God? You're, you're in anguish. You're in pain. And God, God's not showing up for you. And then he writes, I remember this as I pour out my heart. How I walked with many, leading the festival, festive procession to the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. Why am I so depressed? He feels depression. The psalmist, the Bible writer, I feel depressed. I think some of you know exactly what that feels like. Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? I, I, and the inside, I, I just feel this inner, this inner upsetness, this, this anguish, this anguish, this, this turmoil. And then he, it's like he commands his heart and he speaks to his heart in his depression. In his depression and inner turmoil, when he doesn't feel like God is, is close, he says, put your hope in God. For I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. He commands his depressed heart that is weeping day and night, night and day. Put your hope in God. You're depressed. Put your hope in God. And then he continues on and he says, I am deeply depressed. That's how he flows. I am deeply depressed. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and, and the peaks of Hermon and Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your billows have swept over me. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Again, feeling forgotten. Why must I go about in sorrow? Feeling sorrowful, feeling forgotten because of the enemy's oppression. He says, my adversaries taunt me as if crushing my bones. The guy, the person feels crushed, crushed by what's going on in his life. Absolutely crushed. Well, all day long they say to me, where is your God? Like, he's abandoned you, maybe? Where's your God? Then he says, why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? That's how he's feeling. And what is his conclusion? He goes back to those same words, and he talks to his heart, maybe he commands his heart, he speaks, he's like, this is my direction, I'm depressed. Put your hope in God. For I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. That's Psalm 42. It might be a good psalm for some of you who are struggling with depression, inner turmoil, sorrow, feeling like God is not close at hand. That, that sense of, I feel this way, and yet I am going to command my heart to hope in God. God, I, I, have you forgotten me? I'm going to hope in God. I feel depressed about my life, my situation. I feel sorrowful. I feel crushed. Put my hope in in God. If you find yourself in a place like that, there is hope for you. There is hope for you in your future. There is hope. Put your hope in God. He sees, he knows, he cares, he can do anything. Now, I just want to make sure we're clear here. Put your hope in God. In God. Some of you have put your hope in maybe a prayer request, which isn't quite the same thing as putting your hope in God. Uh, put your hope, some of you maybe put your hope in a friendship 
or in a relationship, and that's not turned out well this year. Or maybe you put your hope in, in money or other things, and you find yourself disappointed. If you're seeking hope, the kind that won't disappoint you ultimately, then you need to put your hope in seeking God, or seeking hope in the same place that the psalm writer did, in God. Keep seeking, and you will find hope. Keep seeking. As you, as you keep seeking, you will find it in God. And, and it, may, it may turn out differently than you had expected. It did for me this week. But every one of you, no matter your situation, can live filled with hope again this season. You can. And as we think of the birth of Jesus, we're, we're reminded that just because it seems like nothing is happening, just because we've prayed for years and years and seen nothing happen, it doesn't mean you're not a moment away from God encouraging you. You're not a moment away from God intervening in your life. You're not a moment away from Him stepping in and and intervening. There's hope for you in your future. It's my prayer. I've been praying for you as, as I've uh, been working on, on uh, or just praying for you this week. That as you enter the season of Christmas and you see the Christmas stuff everywhere, uh, that you're going to experience anew what that, what I think is one of the greatest Christmas, on, okay, it's my favorite, so I'm going to say the greatest, the greatest Christmas carol of all time, O Holy Night. That line in O Holy Night, that you would experience this season, a thrill of hope. The thrill of hope. And then, it, and then it says, the weary world rejoices. And I know so many of you know what it's like to be weary. But the thrill of hope, a thrill of hope as the, a weary world rejoices, as yonder breaks a new and glorious morning, that, that new beginning, that you would experience the thrill of hope and a new beginning, a new morning in your life, a new, a new day, a new day. Do you have hope? If not, keep seeking. Keep seeking and you'll find. There's hope for you because Jesus is real. Because Jesus of Nazareth really was born. True story. He was crucified, and on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. And because Jesus is alive, there is very true, powerful, and living hope for you and your life. There's a new beginning available to you. There's a new start, a glorious future for you in Jesus. Because Jesus lives, you can face tomorrow. Because Jesus lives, you can face this season. Because Jesus lives, you can keep going. He's real.